All right, the days are getting packed now as we head down the stretch. It is both your recap and your preview. A little bit of Boston College, a little bit of Georgia Tech as we get you ready for this game day. The Orange in the middle of their five-game and ten-day stretch. We'll tell you what we saw from Boston College. Some good things, including a big-time return of Barama Sidibe. The real return, in my opinion, of Barama mm-hmm. Sidibe. We'll get into that. We'll also get you ready with the prop shop and our picks for the Georgia Tech game. That is all coming up next. You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome in. This is your new week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. I'm Tyler Rocky, joined by Tim Leonard. We thank you for making us your first listen every single day. We're here with you Monday through Friday on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, whether it is Apple Podcasts, or you can find us on YouTube as well. Find us and subscribe to the show Locked on Syracuse, like all that good stuff, comment as well. Today's episode brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. No doubter for 40 minutes against Boston College the other day. That's a good thing that you're looking for this late in the season. I mean, that that's a bad BC team. We talked about it before. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk about it again briefly, but that's a bad Boston College team. But that doesn't mean you cannot come away with good things that happened in the basketball game Uh, for starters. I mean, you look at Cole Swider, he's getting back into the groove of things a little bit. He goes three for five from three after having a bad performance against Virginia tech. Um, There's a lot of things that you can still take away against bad teams. And I think one of the things that you and I were both sort of looking for is what are we going to get out of Barama Sidibe for the rest of the season. Well, he goes out there, plays 18 minutes in this game, doesn't do a whole heck of a lot while he's out there. The fouling stuff was also prevalent with him. He picks up three fouls, but the biggest victory for me is seeing him go out there and play 18 minutes. That's more significant than any rebounding number. It's more significant than any point number for me. That's more significant than any foul number for me. Just him going out there and being able to give you nearly half a basketball game. Yeah, and we talked about that in the preview podcast and leading up to the week. How is Jim Beheim going to handle the bench, right? And how are we going to come out of this game in preparation for the next couple? And the fact that Syracuse wins this game by 20 is in control from the start. And also the fact that Frank Anselm got in some foul trouble early, which we can talk about a little bit if you want, that led Barama into some early minutes and it led the bench into more minutes altogether in this game. And the bench steps up. Barama steps up. He has that big block in the corner, which was fun to see. And my big takeaway from this game for Barama, I don't necessarily think he's some game changer or we're going to expect to see him round a corner and hit, you know, another level down the stretch here. But it's just good to see him playing some productive basketball out there. It's a guy that we've all sort of rooted for. And Jim Beheim said postgame, he's a great kid. He's one of the best kids we've had here. He's never complained. He comes back. You were hoping we get something from him this year, and at least now he's getting his time in the dome in front of the big crowd to make a big block or some plays like that. It's good to see. Yeah, he hasn't played more than 18 minutes since that final game of the 2020 conference tournament when he played 35, and he was playing the best basketball of his career. If you remember that game against UNC. Since COVID. Game now think about yeah, how long that exactly. is. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it is literally <laughs> the last time life has felt normal per se. If right. you want to go that like that is literally the last time Barama Sadibe has played 
more than 18 minutes in a basketball game. And for him to go out there again, the stats are secondary to me at this point. When you look at where the season is, what you need out of him at this point, it, like, let's be honest. And Frank wasn't great in this game. I, I know, I think you and I probably expected a little bit more out of Frank in this one, but the foul trouble, again, that's something that was a pleasant surprise against Virginia Tech is he didn't have the foul trouble nearly to the degree that we thought he might in that game. This was a game, again, we talked about it earlier on our preview podcast, like BC can play physical with you at times. They may not be very good, but they can be scrappy with you and hang around with you a little bit. That wasn't the case in this game. Syracuse left no doubt. And, and Frank, really, for him to get in foul trouble, it's not surprising, but this is a game where you'd like to see a step made, right? Like this is a good chance to, A, keep, your, keep yourself on the floor, while B, also being challenged in the foul department, too. That, and again, he he ends up what with three fouls, I think was the final number for him. So insignificant mm -hmm. in, in the end of the game. But it's one of those where, OK, you still want to be able to take something out of it. Like there's not a lot that you when I think about games in the beginning of the season, when you're playing against some of these cupcake opponents, one of the things that I always look for in the beginning of the season is how well can you shoot free throws? Because it doesn't matter if you're playing against fifth grade Liverpool middle school team. Or if you're playing against Duke and Carolina, like if you can shoot free throws against the fifth grade team, you'll get, you're going to be able to shoot free throws against the Carolina team too. So that that's something that I look for. And I think this was another opportunity, the fouls. When you, when you stay out of foul trouble against a bad basketball team, but one that still can give you a little bit of difficulty from a physicality standpoint, that's something I'm looking forward to and something that Frank couldn't step up and do. Yeah, it's interesting because it felt sort of how Jesse played against BC, where BC's yeah. physical enough, they kind of got him into early foul trouble. He wasn't much of a factor in the game. I just want Frank to be consistent down the stretch here. And it was fine in this game because it's BC and also because they even went to the small lineup for a portion after Barama got in some foul trouble and just needed a breather towards the end of the first half. And the small lineup, Jim Beheim said postgame, the first play, they lost a rebound, and he was like, oh, this isn't going to work. And then Jimmy scored three or four times, and it was helping them on offense to the point that it was worthwhile and productive. But as we've talked about, the small lineup is not going to work against Duke and UNC. Jimmy Beheim cannot be at the five, even against Notre Dame coming up. Georgia Tech's got more late than BC, too. So it's just not sustainable, basically. Frank has to be more consistent, and I think we've seen – and his two starts so far, an outlier in the right direction in terms of the big rebound game against Virginia Tech, and then an outlier, hopefully, in this case, too, where he just got in early foul trouble and wasn't much of a factor in the game. He's got to be a factor in each of these games coming up in order for Syracuse to keep winning. And we've talked about it with Frank. Listen, the, the number probably meets in the middle. He's not going to get 15 rebounds every game, and, and what he finished with in this game against Boston College, he goes out there and has three. So he's not going to get three every game either. It's probably going to be somewhere in the middle of that in the seven or eight range, which for a guy in his really first season of college basketball, I don't think he can really count last year with Frank. You'll take that. A guy who is thrust into a starting role after being a reserve most of the season. I think you got to take that and run to the bank with it. You brought up Jimmy Beheim too, and I think it is worth bringing his name up because he played one of his best games of the season. His second double-double of the year, 13 points, 10 rebounds, also had four assists in the game as well. And Jimmy Beheim, I feel like has, I don't want to say flown under the radar, but hasn't done enough to really make noise 
as of late, especially during that four-game winning streak. He just wasn't grabbing headlines, it felt like. But this is a, a, another one of those strong performances for Jimmy. We saw a ton of them in the beginning of the season, but then we saw him sort of hit a skid once there was a lot more of those athletic teams that he couldn't really handle. But this was a nice little step for Jimmy Beheim. And th this is one of the other things that I'm going to be watching for the rest of the season. How does Jimmy Beheim handle some really strong competition? Because, okay, does it matter this season? No, but there's still that looming question in the background, the elephant in the room, is he coming back next season? And if he can't handle this, I think the good majority of Syracuse fans would not want him back next year. But if he can show that he can give you something down the stretch in the final five or so games plus the ACC tournament, Maybe he can change the minds of some Syracuse fans. You tweeted out something interesting from our account earlier in the week, Locked on Syracuse, the account, where it highlighted that against good teams, the offense has taken a step down this year, and the defense has actually been, if anything, a little bit better, right? And that's yeah. mm -hmm. sort of it was basically against top. Yeah, I'll credit Bart Torvik. He puts out a an XY plot that says – it shows where you do against top 50 teams in the country per his rating system, which is very similar to Ken Palm. And sure. it, it had Syracuse playing a little bit worse offensive efficiency wise, which you'd expect when you go up against a better team, like that, that's not too worrisome to me, but defensively they were better against top 50 hmm. teams, which you would not expect for a very, very porous Syracuse team that has lost and been blown out by a couple top 50 teams too. This when you think about a Duke, an Auburn, like they have gotten killed against some top 50 teams this year. Yet somehow the defensive metrics actually got a little bit better. Yeah, I feel like this year on the defensive side of things, usually we'd always look at matchups and say, oh, if you have a big and you can rebound, that's an L for Syracuse. This year, that's still somewhat of a factor when we're previewing games. But to me, it's just so dependent on how do you shoot the three? Virginia Tech shoots the three well, typically. Now, they didn't really do it against Syracuse, but that just felt like a more daunting matchup. This BC game, I don't know if it was necessarily Syracuse improving on D or just BC not being a good shooting team. Like that one guy, Galloway, is just constantly chucking shots for them, and it's sort of laugh out loud at times. But, yeah, I think what we've seen now is they're sort of settling more into what I thought at the start of the season, where against bad teams, they're going to look really good because all their offensive guys – and the limitations on offense don't really show up. Like Jimmy can get to his spots against bad teams, but against good teams is where the offense takes a step back. Right. All right. We will get into some Georgia tech stuff. Some interesting numbers there from the yellow jackets. We'll dive into that prop shop, all the picks as well. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. Bet online remains the best spot for all of your scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right to the latest Olympic coverage, which actually is now in the rearview mirror. But you can get ahead and look forward to some stuff that is going on in the world of sports right now. So head on over to the website today or use your phone to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. Georgia Tech is a very, very interesting team. A, a very bad team, might I add as well, when you look at the schedule that Syracuse has coming up. This is the worst of the remaining games that Syracuse has, even if you lump that Boston College game in, too. Right now, Georgia Tech is the second worst team, according to Ken Palm, 
in the ACC right now. And one of the fascinating stats that I dug up about Georgia Tech is they are the worst power conference offense as well in all of college basketball, according to Ken Palm. Right now, the Yellow Jackets are sitting 246th in the nation in offensive efficiency at the moment, and they are the third worst team that Syracuse is going to see on their schedule. The only teams that were worse are VCU, which was slightly behind, and then Lafayette, which is a ways away down the road too. But I look at this Georgia Tech team. You're at home. You're in a really good spot to, to just take care of business here. Both teams coming off of short rest. And Georgia Tech's not very good. Like we can no. we can bash and, and and yell about Syracuse and how good Syracuse is. Syracuse is not Georgia Tech level bad. Now I know people will counterpunch and say, well, you said the same thing about Pitt earlier this season. And yes, right. that Pitt team was bad, but that also wasn't the greatest of spots for Syracuse. This should be a really opportune spot for the Orange to go out and try to get a blowout. Yeah, I think this is an interesting matchup because not only is it a short turnaround for Georgia Tech and they're the team that has to hop on a plane and go up to Syracuse, they also played at 7 p.m. compared to Syracuse playing at noon. So as much of a gap as you can really have in one day there as well. So it's a good spot for them. Georgia Tech is pretty much, if you can stop Michael DeVoe, they're a completely different team. I feel like DeVoe and Usher, those are two names that people remember. Outside of that, it's a lot of new guys that, aren't going to scare you too much. And they're 11 and 15 for a reason. Like you said, they are struggling a lot. They're coming off a win on the road at Pittsburgh and Pitt has been playing a little bit better since they got Ithiel Horton back. But in general, I think it's a good spot. I think it's a matchup that Syracuse just has to kind of keep doing what they're doing and they will win this game by double digits. I look at Georgia tech and we bring up the spot too. And remember, this is a game that was rescheduled from earlier in the season because of a COVID issue within Georgia Tech. So this is a game that Syracuse is probably pissed they have to play right now to a degree. And I'm not saying like, oh, they're mad that Georgia Tech got COVID. They're mad at where the game got placed, I'd imagine, because this is messing up any sort of like any sort of fatigue factor down the stretch for your team because this game's getting sandwiched in. Everything was supposed to be normal the rest of the way, but this game's getting sandwiched in on a Monday when you already have another big Monday game a week from today against Carolina, and now you're creating this five-game in 10-day stretch as a result. So it's certainly frustrating for Syracuse. Let's get into some prize pick stuff here with some player prop totals. We'll start with Buddy Beheim. 18.5 is the number that's being set. Um, where are you sitting on Buddy Beheim, who's been fantastic? He had 18 in the last game, but again, his minutes limited because of the blowout nature of the game. Buddy Beheim, 18.5 points. Where are you leaning on this one? I'll take the over there. Georgia Tech's defense is better than their offense, 98th on defense, but they don't have Alvarado, who has given Buddy fits in the past. I don't think they have that one guy that's going to lock in on him necessarily. So I think as long as Buddy has a height advantage, which it seems like, if anything, it'll be neutral or not in a negative in terms of him. It's not like they have some longer defender or an Alvarado pesky defender. So I think that pretty much means that Buddy's going to get to his spots and score. I look at Buddy, and and he wasn't fantastic in this game against Boston College. He had he had the the eighteen points to tie with Cole for the game lead, but he did not shoot the ball well from three. I just I don't see him shooting poorly from three at home two times in three days. 
I don't think that's something that a shooter like Buddy Beheim is going to endure. So I am with you. I'm going to take the over on Buddy Beheim. Next up, we'll go to Joe Girard. They've got his number at 14 and a half. What are you sitting on with Joe Girard? Yeah, I think I'm just going to take the overs on all of these, honestly, because I feel like if anything, this game is Syracuse winning because their offense clicks and because they're scoring in the neighborhood of 85 points. It was sort of weird to me that they beat BC but didn't get to 80 points, so I expect Mm -hmm. them to do it in this game. So I'll say Joe goes over as well, and Joe is quietly – now I'm jinxing it, of course, but he's quietly been pretty consistent, I feel like, lately. There hasn't been as many head-scratching Sienna Joe moments, so – I just totally jinxed it, but I'm going to still take the over. He did have some turnover problems. I think he had three turnovers in the game. I want to say all three came in the first half. I yeah, could that's be a true. little bit off. I kind of but, forgot about that. But outside of that, no, you're right. And um, I, I I will say this, though. He turned the ball over three times, but he also got three steals in this game. And yeah. you can kind of say the same about Buddy. Like He turned the ball over four times in that game, but he also got five steals. And I, I, always, I always get a important. kick out of it feels like anytime Samir he makes a turnover, then Samir will run to the scores table and it'll hit like a 30 footer or something. <laughs> and, and then it's just every time Samir's at the scores table, he does something good to kind of rope you back in. And right. so I guess he's been inconsistent in the game at times. But for Joe standards, I'm not saying he's been consistent, but for Joe standards, I think he's been. He is the pinnacle of what Syracuse basketball is over the yeah. last seven or so years. They'll just rope you back in. Right. <laughs> no Gerard experience that we're going through right now. Last one on the board before we get to our game picks as well. Jimmy Beheim, his numbers being set at 12 and a half for this game. What are you doing with Jimmy Beheim? You said you like the over. Yeah, I think I'm going to go over and that feels like it should be 13 and a half. I know as we've talked about, Jimmy hasn't been a highlight recently and I feel like the whole fan base is kind of soured on him as we progress throughout the season. I wouldn't even say soured. I feel like he's almost gotten forgotten. Yeah, it's weird, right? And yeah, I'm not saying he's a good player, and I'm not even vouching for the fan base to be more in on him, but he does put up numbers for the most part. So 12 and a half points feels like something he will eclipse in this game just by kind of being out there for 40, 38 minutes and doing his little moves around the basket and stuff like that. I'm going to go with the under here. I think they're going to try to get the the big man involved again. I think they're going to try to rally the the confidence of someone like Frank Anselm after he really didn't play a lot by ex, at least by the standards that we've come to expect from a Syracuse center the last or really this season. So I think they're going to try to get Frank involved. So I don't think it's going to be a bad game per se for Jimmy, but I, I think they're going to look to try to do a little bit more with Frank Anselm in this game. All right, when we come back, we will dive into the spread, total, all that fun stuff, and get you ready for everything gambling in this game against Georgia Tech. But hey, we've hit that point of the year where pretty much everyone has given up on New Year's resolutions. But not this year. Tim and I are sticking to ours to eat right, and that is thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because you enjoy eating them so much. And have you tried the puffs? Because if you're not, you're missing out on one of the best Built Bars there are. It's so good, so delicious. And the best part is it's got a first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All Built Bars are, just like the Puffs, in 
uh, covered in 100% real chocolate, and they're low-calorie, high-protein, and you can replace your candy bars with these because they're better for you, and they're better tasting as well. Go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart, you'll be blown away. High-protein, low-cal, high-fiber, low-carb. Compare that to a candy bar, which has high-calorie counts, high-sugar counts, and dozens of net carbs. And the best part is they've got a ton of flavors as well to choose from. Our favorite, the peanut butter brownie, but they've also got new ones coming out all the time, like the white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and with new flavors, they will keep you on your toes. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste, and they make it taste delicious first, and then they figure out how to make the rest healthy. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We kind of sniffed out the, the fishy line against Boston College the other mm-hmm. day. It was a low number. It was, or well, I don't know if you saw what the final number settled on it by the line.ag, but it ended up being, I think, eight is where it closed. Really? At. Yeah. Uh, we played the 10 and we won when we did this last week. So those are our Ken Palm projections. Ken Palm's projecting a Syracuse to win by 11, but Bet Online has the number set a little bit lower at Syracuse minus nine. What do you think of a line inside of double digits on a short turnaround for two teams? I should go back and research this, but doesn't it feel like they've just been covering these type of lines throughout the year? I know this is fresh off the BC game, but the only game I can think of in ACC play where they have been favorites. So I'm excluding the non-conference where I think it was sort of like VCU, they were favorites, they lost. Colgate, they were favorites. They lost your like they had some really out of character games in the non conference, but since kind of that COVID pause, the comeback, the Brown Cornell phase, it feels like outside of Pitt, they've just kind of taken care of business in these games. And for a team that has struggled throughout the year, they've had a lot of blowout, quote unquote, wins yeah. this year. I mean, even Wake was a game that they weren't necessarily favored by a lot, if anything. And it was just a good spot and they blew out wake and their one probably biggest win inside the dome this year. So I just think when you see minus eight, minus nine, I'm more inclined to take Syracuse because once their offense gets rolling in the dome, they've been pretty good at sort of putting teams away and winning by 15 or 20 against bad teams this year. Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. I'm looking through their ACC specs right now, and really the only game I'm looking through, you brought up the pick game, um, but the only other game that they were favored in that they ended up not winning was Florida State. And And even that... that, Oh, and and Virginia to start the year, but... Right. I think think of those as more like toss-up games going in. Now, we probably did pick them. I'm not saying that... I expected them to lose or something, but when I'm seeing a line of minus seven, minus eight, it did not apply at the start of the season. So the overall statistics might not really support this, but lately it seems like inside the dome against a bad team, they're pretty much a lock to get it done. And you said it earlier, as bad as Syracuse is compared to their normal standards, to me, they're pretty clearly in a second tier in the ACC. Like there's a tier of teams that, are better than them and there's not a whole lot because the ACC is not that good this year but just in general when they go up against teams like Villanova Auburn they can't really stay on the court with them but then they're also head and shoulders better than these other teams that they play and it makes it even more puzzling that they lost to Georgetown and Colgate I don't really get that still but lately they've been falling more into that second tier and beating the teams they're supposed to and losing to the teams they're not supposed to like don't be surprised if Syracuse wins 
two games in the ACC tournament. And it's not necessarily that they're great and almighty. It's just they can they might make their deepest ACC tournament run of their ACC tenure this season. Like, yeah, don't be surprised. I saw they're projected as eight seed right now. So that would probably put you against Duke in the second game. But if they're on the seven line or if they're on the I think I, I totally agree with you. I think they could it's win not, two games this year. Like as long as Duke is the one seed, no two seed is insurmountable, in my opinion. Like I, I don't think Syracuse would stand a chance against Duke in the ACC tournament, but it, no two seed would scare me. No two seed does because that's where we're at in the ACC right now. Like this team could take down. Like I don't, I'm not totally against the notion that they could go out and beat Notre Dame on the road. I don't think it's going to be easy by any stretch, but if if it happened, I wouldn't be surprised per se. Yeah, I agree with you. I will say, I feel like Josh Pastner has been pretty good at game planning against Syracuse. He's four yeah. and three since he's with come some over, upset which, wins in there too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's been some notable games for Cuse, like the Andrew White forty point game was one of their wins. There was in 2019 early season game where Elijah Hughes just came out firing. He scored 33, and they blew out Georgia Tech on the road, 97 to 63. But last year. It's funny. I just don't really remember some of these games last year. And I, I don't know if the fan base is there <laughs> yeah. with me. Like it's the COVID and no, fans, I just don't, I mean, yeah. they lost 84 to 77 at the end of February last year, Alan Griffin, 26 points. I think that was the game where we were kind of like, all right, let's burn the oranges and eat them. I mean, at this point it's not happening. And then from there they started to click it into gear. Maybe. I will say the one thing that Georgia Tech does not have this year that they've had under Passner the last, well, pretty much since Passner's been there, is they don't have the big guy that can go out and hurt you. They had Ben Lammers for a stretch. They had Moses Brown, yeah. who was the ACC Player of the Year last year. They don't have that this year, and that's probably a big reason why you see them where they are. I mean, people forget this team won the ACC last year. <laughs> like that is one of the <laughs> unheralded storylines. From, from a season ago. So um, I would, yeah, I, I'm not going to sleep on any ACC team because as bad as some are, like, I I don't like, but at the same time, like this Georgia Tech team is bad, bad. And it's yeah. just, if Syracuse had not lost that pick game earlier this year, I, I'd maybe feel a little bit different, but this team, this Georgia Tech team's bad. There's no other way to put it. You're sub 500 in a bad ACC this year. So I think it, like when we talk about teams that kind of pull down the reputation of the league, like you're talking about your conference champion from last year being the worst offensive team in the power conferences. That 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 is yeah. really something that should not be happening. So minus nine, are you taking Syracuse to cover with that? Yeah, I'll take them to cover. I'll also lean with the over. I think I have to after taking all those over props. I can't really root for <laughs> both of those things to coexist in, in the same sort of game. But I'll say they take the slight over, and I would expect them to maybe score somewhere in the neighborhood of 82, 83 and win this game by 12 or 13 points. I'm going to take Syracuse to cover as well in this game, but I'm going to lean on the under here. The offense is sort of regressing, like – we saw some of the yeah. things that came out like we saw and we knew too. when you're averaging about 92 points over a four game stretch, probably, probably not sustainable. Right. And I think we're starting to see that get pulled down a little bit. So unless Georgia Tech really steps up to the party here offensively, which I don't see happening, I, I just think that this game's going to go under as a result of that. All right. So we will be back tomorrow. Full Georgia Tech recap. And not just that. 
We will also start to get you ready for Notre Dame as well. That game, a quick turnaround on a Wednesday. We'll do all that and more with you guys on tomorrow's show. Also dive into some other things that we maybe see throughout the week. Judah Mintz taking his official this weekend as well to Syracuse. So that's a big time story that we're monitoring that a lot of people are looking forward to. I, I see a bunch of the YouTube comments. They're calling them junior Mintz. Um, so uh, that, that's another thing that we can look forward to. All the photoshops that are going to come out if that ends up happening for Syracuse. So my goodness, I, I'm not looking forward to that section of Judah Mintz coming, but pretty much every other part, if Syracuse does land Judah Mintz, <laughs> I will be excited for. So we will break down what we saw from this game. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Check us out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment on our YouTube channel as well. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.